0: Chapter 26, verses 26 through 35 of Ketina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. This thing recording is in the public domain. Verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Jerome, when the typical Passover was concluded and he had partaken of the Lamb with his apostles, he comes to the true paschal sacrament that as melchizedek priest of the most high god had done in foreshadowing christ offering bread and wine he also should offer the present verity of his body and blood augustine and as they were eating whereby it is clearly seen that at their first partaking of the lord's body and blood the disciples did not partake fasting But are we therefore to accept against the practice of the whole church of receiving fasting? It has seemed good to the Holy Ghost that for the better honor of so great a sacrament, the Lord's body should enter the Christian's mouth before other food. For to commend more mightily the depth of this mystery, the Savior chose this as the last thing he would imprint on the hearts and memory of his disciples, from whom he was to depart to his passion but he did not direct in what order it should thenceforth be taken, that he might reserve that for the apostles by whom he would regulate his church. Gloss. Christ delivered to us his flesh and body under another kind, and ordained them to be thenceforth so received, that faith might have its merit, which is of things that are not seen. Ambrose. And that we might not be shocked by the sight of blood, while at the same time wrought the price of our redemption. Augustine. The Lord committed his body and blood to substances which are formed a homogeneous compound out of many. Bread is made of many grains. Wine is produced out of many berries. Herein the Lord Jesus Christ signified us, and hallowed in his own table the mystery of our peace and unity. Rigmigius fittingly also did he offer fruit of the earth, to show thereby that he came to take away the curse wherewith the earth was cursed for the sin of the first man. Also he bade be offered the produce of the earth and the things which men chiefly toil, that there might be no difficulty in procuring them, and that men might offer sacrifice to God of the work of their hands. Ambrose. Hence, learn that the Christian mysteries were before the Jewish. Melchizedek offered bread and wine, being in all things like the Son of God, to whom it is said, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, and of whom it is here said, Jesus took bread. Gloss. This we must understand to be wheat bread, for the Lord compared himself to a grain of wheat, saying, Except a corn fall into the ground, etc., such bread also is suitable for the sacrament because it is in common use bread of other kinds being only made when this fails but forasmuch as christ up to the very last day to use the words of chrysostom as above showed that he did nothing contrary to the law and the law commanded that unleavened bread should be eaten in the evening when the passover was slain and that all leavened should be put away it is manifest that the bread which the Lord took and gave to his disciples was unleavened. Gregory, it has given trouble to diverse persons that in the church some offer unleavened and others leavened bread. The Roman church offers unleavened because the Lord took flesh without any pollution. Other churches offer leavened bread because the word of the Father took flesh upon him and is very God and very man. And so the leaven is mingled with the flour but whether we receive leavened or unleavened bread, we are made one body of the Lord our Savior. Ambrose. This bread before the sacramentary words is the bread in common use. After consecration, it is made of bread, Christ's flesh. And what are the words, or whose are the phrases of consecration, save those of the Lord Jesus? For if his word had power to make those things begin to be which were not, how much rather will it not be efficacious to cause them to remain what they are, while they are at the same time changed into somewhat else? For if the heavenly word has been effectual in other matters, is it ineffectual in heavenly sacraments? Therefore of the bread is made the body of Christ, and the wine is made blood by the consecration of the heavenly word. Dost thou inquire after the manner? Learn. The course of nature is that a man is not born, but of man and woman. But by God's will, Christ was born of the Holy Spirit and a virgin. Picatius. As then real flesh was created by the Holy Spirit without sexual union, so by the same Holy Spirit the substance of bread and wine are consecrated into the body and blood of Christ. And because this consecration is made by the Lord's word, it is added, he blessed. Rigmigius. Hereby he showed also that he, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, has filled human nature with the grace of his divine power, and enriched it with the boon of immortality. And to show that his body was not subject to passion, but of his own will, it is added and break. Lanfranc. When the host is broken when the blood is poured from the cup into the mouth of the faithful what else is denoted but the offering of the lord's body on the cross and the shedding of his blood out of his side Dionysius. in this way is also shown that the one is uncompounded word of god came to us compounded and visible by taking human nature upon him and drawing to himself our society made us partakers of the spiritual goods which he distributed, as it follows, and gave to his disciples, Leo, not excluding the traitor even from this mystery, that it might be made manifest that Judas was provoked by no wrong, but that he had been foreknown in voluntary impiety, Augustine, Peter and Judas received of the same bread, but Peter to life, Judas to death, Chrysostom, And this John shows when he says, after the sop Satan entered into him. For his sin was aggravated in that he came near to these mysteries with such a heart, and that having come to them, he was made better neither by fear, kindness, nor honor. Christ hindered him not, though he knew all things, that you may learn that he omits nothing which serves for correction. Rigmigius. In so doing, he left an example to the Church that it should sever no one from its friendship or from the communion of the body and blood of the Lord, but for some notorious and public crime. Hilary, or the Passover was concluded by the taking the cup and breaking the bread without Judas, for he was unworthy the communion of eternal sacraments, and that he had left them we learn from thence, that he returns with a multitude. Augustine, and said, Take, eat. The Lord invites his servants to set before them himself for food. But who would dare to eat his Lord? This food, when eaten, refreshes, but fails not. He lives after being eaten, who rose again after being put to death. Neither, when we eat him, do we divide his substance. But thus it is in this sacrament. The faithful know how they feed on Christ's flesh. Each man receives a part for himself. He is divided into parts in the sacrament, yet he remains whole. He is all in heaven. He is all in thy heart. They are called sacraments because in them what is seen is one thing, what is understood is another. What is seen has a material form. What is understood has spiritual fruit. Id. Let us not eat Christ's flesh only in the sacrament, For that do many wicked men. But let us eat to spiritual participation, that we may abide as members in the Lord's body, that we may be quickened by his Spirit. Ambrose. Before consecration it is bread. After Christ's words, This is my body, have been pronounced, It is Christ's body. Verses 27 through 29. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Remigius. The Lord, having given his disciples his body under the elements of bread, well gives the cup of his blood to them likewise, showing what joy he has in our salvation, seeing he even shed his blood for us. Chrysostom, he gave thanks to instruct us after what manner we ought to celebrate this mystery, and showed also thereby that he came not to his passion against his will. Also, he taught us to bear whatsoever we suffer with thanksgiving, and infused into us good hopes. For if the type of this sacrament, to wit, the offering of the paschal lamb, became the deliverance of the people from Egyptian bondage, much more shall the reality thereof be the deliverance of the world, and give it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, that they should not be distressed at hearing this. He first drank his own blood to lead them without fear to the communion of these mysteries to Rome. Thus then the Lord Jesus was at once guest and feast, the eater and the things eaten. Chrysostom, this is my blood of the New Testament, that is, the new promise, covenant, law, for this blood was promised from of old, and this guarantees the new covenant. For as the Old Testament had the blood of sheep and goats, so the new has the Lord's blood. Rigmigius. For thus it is read, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you. Chrysostom. And in calling it blood he foreshows his passion, my blood which shall be shed for many. Also the purpose for which he died, adding, For the remission of sins, as much as to say, The blood of the Lamb was shed in Egypt for the salvation of the firstborn of the Israelites. This my blood is shed for the remission of sins. Rigmigius. And it is to be noted that he says not for a few, nor for all, but for many, because he came not to redeem a single nation, but many out of all nations. Chrysostom. Thus saying, he shows that his passion is a mystery of the salvation of men, by which also he comforts his disciples. And, as Moses said, this shall be an ordinance for thee for ever." So Christ speaks, as Luke relates, this do in remembrance of me. Rigmigius. And he taught us to offer not bread only, but wine also, to show that they who hungered and thirsted after righteousness were to be refreshed by these mysteries. Gloss, as the refreshment of the body is wrought by means of meat and drink, so under the form of meat and drink the Lord has provided for us spiritual refreshment. And it was suitable that for the showing forth the Lord's passion, this sacrament should be instituted under both kinds. For in his passion he shed his blood, and so his blood was separated from his body. It behooved, therefore, that for representation of his passion, bread and wine should be separately set forth, which are the sacrament of the body and blood. But it should be known that under both kinds the whole of Christ is contained. Under the bread is contained the blood, together with the body. Under the wine the body, together with the blood. Ambrosiest. And for this reason also do we celebrate under both kinds, because that which we receive avails for the preservation of both body and soul. Cyprian. The cup of the Lord is not water only, nor wine only, but the two are mixed, so the Lord's body cannot be either flour only or water only, but the two are combined. Ambrose. If Melchizedek offered bread and wine, what means this mixing of water? Hear the reason. Moses struck the rock, and the rock gave forth abundance of water but that rock was Christ. Also one of the soldiers with his spear pierced Christ's side, and out of his side flowed water and blood, the water to cleanse, the blood to redeem. Rigmigius. For it should be known that as John speaks, the many waters are nations and people, and because we ought always to abide in Christ, and Christ in us, wine mixed with water is offered, to show that the head and the members that is, Christ and the Church are one body, or to show that neither did Christ suffer without a love for our redemption, nor we can be saved without his passion. Chrysostom, And having spoken of his passion and cross, he proceeds to speak of his resurrection. I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth, etc. By the kingdom he means his resurrection, and he speaks this of his resurrection because he would then drink with the apostles, that none might suppose his resurrection a fantasy. Thus when they would convince any of his resurrection, they said, We did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. This tells them that they shall see him after he is risen, and that he will be again with them. That he says new is plainly to be understood after a new manner. He is no longer having a passable body, or needing food, for after his resurrection, he did not eat as needing food, but to evidence the reality of the resurrection. And for as much as there are some heretics who use water instead of wine, in the sacred mysteries, he shows in these words, that when he now gave them these holy mysteries, he gave them wine and drank the like after he was risen. For he says, Of this fruit of the vine, but the vine produces wine, and not water. Jerome. Or otherwise, from carnal things, the Lord passes to spiritual. Holy Scripture speaks of the people of Israel as a vine brought up out of Egypt. Of this vine, it is then that the Lord says he will drink no more except in his Father's kingdom. His Father's kingdom, I suppose, to mean the faith of the believers when then the jews shall receive his father's kingdom then the lord will drink of their vine observe that he says of my father not of god for to name the father is to name the son as much as to say when they shall have believed on god the father and he has brought them to the son or otherwise i will not drink of the fruit of this vine i e I will no longer take pleasure in the carnal oblations of the synagogue, among which the emulation of the Paschal Lamb held an eminent place. But the time of my resurrection is at hand, in the day in which exalted in the Father's kingdom, that is, raised in immortal glory. I shall drink it new with you, i.e., I shall rejoice as with a new joy in the salvation of that people, then renewed by the water of baptism. Augustine. Or otherwise, when he says, I shall drink it new with you, he gives us to understand that this is old. Seeing then that he took body of the race of Adam, who was called the old man, he was to give up to death that body in his passion. Whence also he gave us his blood in the sacrament of wine. What else can we understand by the new wine than the immortality of renewed bodies? In saying, I will drink... It with you, he promises to them likewise a resurrection of their bodies for the putting on of immortality. With you is not to be understood of time, but of a like renewal. As the Apostle speaks, we are risen with Christ, the hope of the future bringing a present joy, that that which he shall drink new shall also be of this fruit of the vine. Signifies that the very same bodies shall rise after the heavenly renewal, which shall now die after the earthly decay. Hilary, it seems from this that Judas had not drunk with him because he was not to drink hereafter in the kingdom, but he promises to all who partook at this time of this fruit of the vine that they should drink with him hereafter. Gloss, but in support of the opinion of other saints that Judas did receive the sacraments of Christ It is to be said that the words with you may refer to the greater part of them and not necessarily to the whole. Verses 30 through 35. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Origen when the disciples had eaten the bread of blessing and drunk the cup of thanksgiving, the Lord instructs them to return for these things to sing a hymn to the Father, and they go to the Mount of Olives, that they may pass from height to height, because the believer can do naught in the valley. Bede. Beautifully after the disciples have been filled with the sacraments of his body and blood and commended to the Father in a hymn of pious intercession, does he lead them into the Mount of Olives, thus by type teaching us how we ought, by the working of his holy sacraments and the aid of his intercession, mount up to the higher gifts of the virtues and the graces of the Holy Spirit with which we are anointed in our hearts. Rabanus? This hymn may be that thanksgiving which in John our Lord offers up to the Father when he lifted up his eyes and prayed for his disciples and those who should believe through their word. This is that of which the psalm speaks. The poor shall eat and be filled. They shall praise the Lord. Chrysostom, let them hear this, who, like swine with no thought but of eating, rise from the table drunk, when they should have given thanks and closed with a hymn. Let them hear who will not tarry for the final prayer in the Sacred Mysteries, For the last prayer of the mysteries represents that hymn. He gave thanks before he delivered the holy mysteries to the disciples, that we also might give thanks. He sung a hymn after he had delivered them, that we also should do the like. Jerome, after this example of the Savior, whosoever is filled and is drunken upon the bread and cup of Christ may praise God and ascend the Mount of Olives, where is refreshment after toil. SOLACE OF GRIEF AND KNOWLEDGE OF THE TRUE LIGHT. HILARY. HEREBY HE SHOWS THAT MEN CONFIRMED BY THE POWERS OF THE DIVINE MYSTERIES ARE EXALTED TO HEAVENLY GLORY IN A COMMON JOY AND GLADNESS. ORIGEN. SUITABLY ALSO WAS THE MOUNT OF MERCY CHOSEN WHENCE TO DECLARE it THE OFFENSE OF HIS DISCIPLES' WEAKNESS. BY ONE EVEN THEN PREPARED NOT TO REJECT THE DISCIPLES WHO FORSOOK HIM but to receive them when they returned to him. Jerome. He tells what they should suffer, that they might not, after it had befallen them, despair of salvation, but doing penance might be set free. Chrysostom. In this we see what the disciples were both before and after the cross. They who could not stand with Christ whilst he was crucified became, after the death of Christ, harder than adamant. This flight and fear of the disciples is a demonstration of Christ's death against those who are infected with the heresy of Marcion. If he had been neither bound nor crucified, whence arose the terror of Peter and the rest. Jerome. And he adds emphatically this night, because, as they that are drunken are drunken by night, so they that are scandalized are scandalized by night and in the dark. Hilary. The credit of this prediction is supported by the authority of old prophecy. It is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Jerome. This is found in Zacharias in different words. It is said to God in the person of the prophet, Smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered abroad. The good shepherd is smitten, that he may lay down his life for his sheep, and that of many flocks of diverse errors should be made one flock and one shepherd. Chrysostom. He produces this prophecy to teach them to attend to the things that are written, and to show that his crucifixion was according to the counsel of God, and, as he does throughout, that he was not a stranger to the Old Testament, but that it prophesied of him. But he did not suffer them to grow in sorrow, but announces glad tidings, saying, When I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. After his resurrection, he does not appear to them immediately from heaven, nor depart into any far country, but in the very same nation in which he was crucified, almost in the very same place, giving them thereby assurance that he who was crucified was the same as he who rose again, thereby to cheer their downcast countenances, he fixes upon Galilee, that, being delivered from fear of the Jews, they might believe what he spoke to them. Origen. Also he foretells this to them, that they who now were somewhat dispersed in consequence of the offense, should be after gathered together by Christ, rising again, and going before them into Galilee of the Gentiles. Hilary. But Peter was carried so far by his zeal and affection for Christ that he regarded neither the weakness of his flesh, nor the truth of the Lord's words, as if what he spake must not come to pass. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Chrysostom. What sayest thou, Peter? The prophet says, The sheep shall be scattered abroad, and Christ has confirmed it. Yet thou sayest, Never. When he said, One of you shall betray me. Thou fearest for thyself, although thou wert not conscious of such a thought. Now when he openly affirms, All ye shall be offended, you deny it. And because when he was relieved of the anxiety he had concerning the betrayal, he grew confident concerning the rest. He therefore says thus, I will never be offended. Jerome, it is not wilfulness, not falsehood, but the apostle's faith, and ardent attachment towards the Lord his Savior. Rigmigius. What the one affirms by his power of foreknowledge, the other denies through love. Whence we may take a practical lesson, that in proportion, as we are confident of the warmth of our faith, we should be in fear of the weakness of our flesh. Peter seems culpable first, because he contradicted the Lord's words. Secondly, because he set himself before the rest. And thirdly, because he attributed everything to himself, as though he had power to persevere strenuously. His fall then was permitted to heal this in him, not that he was driven to deny, but left to himself, and so convicted of the frailty of his human nature. Origin. Whence the other disciples were offended in Jesus, but Peter was not only offended, but what is more, was suffered to deny him thrice. Augustine. Perplexity may be occasioned to some by the great difference not in words only, but in substance, of the speeches in which Peter is forewarned by our Lord, and which occasion his presumptuous declaration of dying with or for the Lord. Some would oblige us to understand that he thrice expressed his confidence, and the Lord thrice answered him that he would deny him thrice before cock-crowing. As after his resurrection he thrice asked him if he loved him, and as often give him command to feed his sheep. For what in language or matter has Matthew like the expressions of Peter in either Luke or John? Matthew indeed relates it in nearly the same words as Matthew, only marking more precisely in the Lord's words the manner in which it should fall in. Verily I say unto thee that this day in the night before the cock crow twice thou shalt deny me thrice. When some inattentive persons think that there is a discrepancy between Mark and the rest, for the sum of Peter's denial is three. If the first, then, had been after the first cock-crowing, the other three evangelists must be wrong when they make the Lord say that Peter should deny him before the cock-crow. But on the other hand, if he had made all three denials before the cock began to crow, it would be superfluous in Mark to say, before the cock crow twice, Forasmuch as much as this threefold denial was begun before the first cock-crow, the three evangelists have marked, not when it was to be concluded, but how often it was to happen, and when to begin, that is, before cock-crow. Though indeed, if we understand it of Peter's heart, we may well say that the whole denial was complete before the first cock-crow, seeing that before that his mind was seized, with that great fear which wrought upon him to the third denial. Much less, therefore, ought it to disquiet us how the threefold denial in three distinct speeches was begun, but not finished before cockcrow. Just as though one should say, Before cockcrow, you will write me a letter in which you will revile me three times. If the letter were begun before any cockcrow, but not finished till after the first, we should not therefore say that the prediction was false. Origen, but you will ask whether it is possible that Peter should not have been offended, when once the Savior had said, all ye shall be offended in me, to which one will answer, what is foretold by Jesus must of necessity come to pass, and another will say that he who at the prayer of the Ninevites turned away the wrath he had denounced by Jonas might also have averted Peter's offense at his entreaty. But his presumptuous confidence, prompted by zeal indeed, but not a cautious zeal, became the cause not only of offense, but of a thrice-repeated denial. And since he confirmed it with the sanction of an oath, someone will say that it was not possible that he should not have denied him. For Christ would have spoken falsely when he said, verily I say unto thee. Peter's assertion, I will not deny thee, had been true. It seems to me that the other disciples, having in view not that which was first said, all ye shall be offended, but that which was said to Peter, verily I say unto thee, etc., made a like promise with Peter because they were not comprehended in the prophecy of denial. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also, said all the disciples. Here again, Peter knows not what he says. He could not die with him who was to die for all mankind, who were all in sin and had need of someone to die for them, not that they should die for others. Rabanus. Peter understood the Lord to have foretold that he should deny him under terror of death, and therefore he declares that though death were imminent, nothing could shake him from his faith. And the other apostles in like manner, in the warmth of their zeal, valued not the infliction of death, but human presumption is vain without divine aid. Chrysostom. I suppose also that Peter fell into these words through ambition and boastfulness, and they had disputed at supper which of them should be greatest, whence we see that the love of empty glory disturbed them much and so to deliver him from such passions, Christ withdrew his aid from him. Moreover, observe how, after the resurrection, taught by his fall, he speaks to Christ more humbly, and does not any more resist his words. All this his fall wrought for him, for before he had attributed all to himself, when he ought rather to have said, I will not deny thee, if thou succor me with thy aid but afterwards he shows that everything is ascribed to God. Why look ye so earnestly upon us, as though by our own power and holiness we had made this man to walk? Once we learn the great doctrine that man's wish is not enough, unless he enjoys divine support. End of chapter 26, verses 26 through 35.